Okay, so Philippians chapter 1, and starting verse 28, I think. Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. Well, let me start in verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. So we're on uh, page uh, page six. six. Thank you. I was trying to... My, the bottom of my page is so cluttered with uh, other stuff that I can find the... <laughs> so it's page six, and we're item number six, the adversary's attack, and um, and that's verse 28, and to nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. And so um, we are, we've already looked at uh, the attack of adversaries is evidence of God's work and a way to identify with Christ. And letter I, the, the Christian that does not have God's, God's enemies for his own is not following God closely enough to be identified with him, at least at some level. And then, um, then n- number one there was James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And it's very sober words. And so we spent some time talking about that last week and about the specific thought of choosing your camp. And I think there's far too many Christians that are guilty of having one foot in the world and one foot tentatively with the Lord. And, um, and we are very clearly by Scripture told very clearly to choose your camp. Choose, choose you this day whom you'll serve, as it says in Joshua. Choose you who you will serve, either the gods of the land or, uh, or the God that brought you through the Red Sea and, and delivered you out of Egypt. And uh, either follow the Lord or follow these gods, but choose. And that's what we all need to do day by day, choose. And really specifically, the exhortation is to, is to choose to stick with God and don't stray from him. And, of course, we all know what natures we have on the inside and how, how um, uh, likely they are or how uh, predisposed they are to fall to sin, fall to all the wrong things so much of the time. So here we are, number two here, underneath the James 4. 4, 4 is uh, 2 Timothy 3, and we're going to start in verse 10. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, and starting in verse 10. And so what Paul was talking about before is, is how in the latter days there's all these terrible uh, themes within people, you know, and he talks about without natural affection and truce breakers, false accusers. It's a very extensive, long list of how people will be very ungodly and lovers of selves more than lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Having So we're picking up in verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, uh, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's a lot of really important things there. But one thing Paul says there at the beginning of verse 10, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity. And so after all the things that he mentioned before about the kinds of people you find in the world who are not aligned with walking with God, and what you find is a lot of, of really sickening things. Uh, let's just go and look at it. <laughs> 
chapter 3, verse 1. Note, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. So listen, folks, I believe very much that passage is talking about us right now. Our world, the world that we live in. So know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For, and look at this list as we read it. And tell me if you don't see this in the world. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead, lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so did these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs was also. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch. And so you notice there the contrast. I think that very specifically, there's so many times in scriptures where there is a specific contrast that God is teaching us to be able to observe. And listen, you choose the camp that is not walking with God, going away from God. And you notice here in this passage that some of them even claim to be God's people. While they're going away from God, not walking with God, disobeying God, at the same time, some of them are claiming to be following God. And it's really extraordinary that you can look into the world, and you see it on social media, you see it everywhere, people claiming to be walking with God while they are doing things that God specifically says is evil. I mean, even at times, things that God says is abomination. Now listen, there are, there are sins, and man, are there sins. And there are things that God says are reprehensible. And there are Christian, quote-unquote Christian denominations out there that are embracing things that God says he hates. And you see it in the book of Revelation, you know, there's, there's these churches who say, you have suffered that woman Jezebel. Anybody who knows Jezebel in scripture, she was not a good person. She was evil, and she led Ahab in, in some very specifically evil ways. And the church at times, the quote-unquote church, because listen, there's church buildings filled with people who say they're Christians and say that they're, that they're promoting the things of God, and they're actually doing the opposite. That is what our world has, specifically America. And I don't know about the other countries. Maybe they have this problem at least as much as we do. All I know is that in America, there are people claiming to be Christians, claiming to be the church, and they're actually pushing people away from God. And of course, it didn't just start with us. The Pharisees at that time, you know, the Lord Jesus had some very stern rebukes for them about how they were not going to heaven and they were keeping other people from going too. And so this is really not a new thing. You have religion going bad all the way back to the Garden of Eden, or, or after the fall specifically. And so Paul says in, in verse 10, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at, at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now, here's the thing, is as we walk with the Lord... There should be a very distinct contrast 
between the people walking with God and the people not walking with God. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they say, while we're over here doing these terrible things, we're walking with God. Listen, the the proof is in the pudding. (laughs) It's not who says I'm a Christian. It says the person following Christ and doing the things that God said. And the Lord Jesus said, love, love towards Uh, one another and love towards the outside. This is one of the ways in which you can spot the real Christians. People who are like Christ. And of course, you know that the Lord Jesus, as he walked this world, he did not compromise with evil to love the world. And the Bible said in John chapter 3, he said, God so loved the world. So he demonstrated this great love. How far? Well, to the point where he gave his life to save sinners like me and like every one of you. He demonstrated his love. So, you know, the the world can say, I don't believe, and I've heard this all my life. I know you guys have too. I don't believe a loving God would cast people into hell. A loving God did everything that he could to keep you from going to hell. As in sending his son to pay the price. So now nobody on earth has to go to hell. No, No human being alive has to experience the lake of fire. But God will let you make your own choices. And he will even send people. He's, listen, we're part of the process. If you're saved here today, he's calling us to testify to others. You need Jesus to save you from your sins, just like he saved me from mine. We are meant to be part of the process of telling them there is a Savior. And he will come back. And he, if you refuse to accept him as your Savior, he will be your judge. And so listen, these are the, this is the life that we're meant to live out, and there should be, there will be a contrast between those walking with God and those not walking with God. And so listen, it's a very important distinction that we understand that part of this, part, part of the point of all the sharing that we've been doing here is that we as Christians, while we're doing the things that God said for us to do as we are following the Lord Jesus, we will experience persecution. We will, while we're doing the very things that God's held, told us to do, some of the other people on the other side, even as they claim to be Christians, will persecute them. Well, we also saw that all the way back in Genesis 2. There was Abel, and they were, they were to bring an offering. And Abel followed God's, God's picture that he had painted, and he gave a blood sacrifice. He, took, he, was, a, he was a shepherd. And he took one of his sheep and he sacrificed the sheep. He followed the example that God gave. And Abel or Cain brought the best of the fruit of his own labor. And he was rejected. And so what happened? Well, the, the man who was rejected by God turned on Abel. Abel had done nothing to him mm-hmm. other than not be rejected by God. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we've seen this before and we're going to see it until the Lord Jesus comes back. So, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so our place is to follow the Lord. Listen, there is no other option for a child of God. This is the only life that God has called us to. Living a life that we draw close to him. And and in that process, we are changed into his image. That's what the Bible says. As we draw nigh unto God, he draws nigh unto us. And in the process, he changes us into the image of Christ. And as that happens, as that transformation takes place, the world finds less and less room for us to be here. Justin Trudeau said, I don't know how long ago it was, but he was talking about all the people standing against, you know, 
these, these really tyrannical things that, they, that Canada and America have been doing. And he was saying, how long are we going to suffer these people? And listen, there's many things about the things that are happening in our world that look like the end times. And listen, it is pointing to exactly what you see in Revelation. Uh, listen, I know I, I know, I probably sound like a doom and gloom preacher. <laughs> but listen, I, folks, I believe we're in the last days of last days. I could be wrong. Maybe this earth will be, or maybe things will continue for another hundred years. Or I don't know. God knows. But even as the Lord Jesus, you know, he told his disciples, no man knows the day or the hour. But listen, as we see these things approaching, <laughs> look, it's looking a lot like what you see. It's, it's the precursor of those things coming. And so our place is to recognize the times. Listen, it's a warning. It's a stern warning to all of us. Don't live for yourself. Don't live in the world and of the world. Be, get, calibrate. Get your eyes on the Lord Jesus and follow him closely because that is what is most important right now. We are closer than we've ever been. I, that's what, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's the truth. We're closer than we've ever been. And, and the thing is, is and I, I believe very much, and, I, and again, you see these things that Paul wrote about in his day. <laughs> I mean, look at that. Some of those things that he says, men should be lovers of, of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. It's a terrible list, but man, it just seems so much worse today than when I was younger, Miss Mary. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and you said, well, at least chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious what she'd say because I can't remember. <laughs> and then, um, of course, I was reading Revelation and all that. But I think we're a lot further than chapter one now. Well, we're, well, we're before the Lord Jesus calls his church home. We know that much. So that's that's chapters two and three where he's rebuking or correcting the church and or for those who needed correction, there's two churches, Philadelphia and Sardis, Sardis or Smyrna that didn't didn't have a rebuke. I can't remember which. Um, but anyway, there's two churches that didn't have rebuke, but all the churches needed to hear from God, to hear from the Lord Jesus. And um, that's that's where I think we are. We're, we're still in that church and that in that grace period. And this and that that is where, where our world is right now. This is still a time in which people can receive Christ and they can be changed and and receive forgiveness of sins and receive help to walk through this world. You know, and like Paul says here, he mentions all these things about this is what's in the world. These who this is who are in the other camp. He says those things. And then he says, but you've known my my doctrine, my manner of life. And he goes on to mention the persecutions and afflictions. Listen, even with that truth. Listen, this is something we need to have. God communicate right on the tables of our heart. <laughs> Even with that truth that with Christ and walking with him, you have afflictions or persecutions. Still, it is the very best way to go through this life. Even if you must have the persecutions that are associated by walking with Christ. It is still better. It is still richer in, in, in every possible way. And it would be better to have the afflictions and persecutions that come with walking with Christ than it would be to have everything you could gain in this world for a very short period of time. Listen, if we could trade places with Bill Gates today 
and have all of his riches and wealth and influence and everything else, it would be a poor trade. Beyond all, beyond all measure, it would be a poor trade to go and trade places with Bill Gates because it's a very temporary period of time that he has this. Uh, Patrick, are you going to say something? And then uh, yeah, you were talking about knowing, seeing that how the, that the day is approaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I read a few verses. Yeah, sure. Go okay. ahead. Thessalonians, First Thessalonians five. I'll start in two. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord. Now the day of the Lord is spoken about the unsaved and the day of Christ. It's called the day of Christ, but it's the same day when He comes in the clouds and you know, raptures the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Mm-hmm. Okay, and remember, to the unsaved. Right. For when they shall come and say, peace, safety, sorry, <laughs> uh, and safety, then sudden destruction, sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travaileth upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Amen. Right? If we see the day approaching because of the scripture, that they, that day without, I'm sorry, that day, should overtake you as a thief. In other words, not going to overtake us as a thief because we'll see it approaching. Yeah, I, I think that I think you can, as a child of God, you can be in the world and and ingrained in the world, and then that day can take you by surprise. But it will not overtake you like it will overtake those who do not know Christ, who believe they right. have all the time in the world. Because I, I mean, I've known people. I'm sure you guys have known people. You talk with them about the Lord, and they say, "Yeah, I'm going to get saved someday." But I want to sow my wild oats. I want to do the things that I want to do in this world. And then I'll get saved when I can't have fun anymore, which is a very that, – that's not doing good math. Miss Hardy, you were going to say something. Well, I just wanted to give a positive admonition. And rather than thinking that things are falling apart, mm-hmm. that they're actually falling into place. Right. That's, and that's the truth. That that's is absolutely – That's the way to look at all of it. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, and I can't remember where it is in the Gospels, the Lord Jesus talking to his disciples about the end times. They say, T- Lord, tell us what, what what are the signs of these things coming? And the Lord Jesus said, uh, be careful that no man, what? No deceive, you. deceive you. That no man, don't let any man deceive you. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's exactly what what is what we're where we are. Listen, people are falling away. And, and again, the, the sad, the, the most tragic part of all this, and sometimes I drive by church denominations, the Episcopalians and, and others, you know, uh, listen, they've embraced so much sin. They have just embraced it. They've opened their arms. And I don't think it's fair to call them a church. I don't know. I, God knows. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's some people that are probably Episcopalians because their mother, their grandmother, their great-grandmother, and their great-great-great-great-great-grandmother was Episcopalian. But listen... God does not want us to stay where play, you know, like you see in, in Revelation in two and three. You know, there are stern rebukes for the church for, you know, linking arms with people who do not love God, do not fear God. Mm-hmm. That's what you see in the scriptures. Love God, fear or fear God, keep his commandments. Mm-hmm. That's how you can distill all the wisdom of the world <laughs> down to a place where even a child can get it. Fear God, Shoe keep evil. his commandments, eschew evil. Right. Mm-hmm. OK, so, um, Yeah. Uh, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In verse 13 and 14, back uh, in Second uh, Timothy chapter uh, chapter 3, verse so verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Look at verse 13. But evil men and seducers, look at this, shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's a scary thought. 
But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So he says there, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Again, listen, we're not supposed to be shocked that these things are coming to pass. We should actually be expecting it. And yet I'm being a little hypocritical here because I get discouraged. You know, I get discouraged looking at our world. You know, and I get discouraged sometimes at work when I hear people talking about the things that they talk about and how they talk about it. Listen, that's not supposed to discourage us. At least that's the way I figure. (laughs) We're not supposed to be brought down by that. We're supposed to expect it. And listen, stick with the program that God has given us. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. That's, that's God's cry to us. Keep going. Keep clinging to God. Don't be moved away. Expect these things to get worse. And listen, there, there is recompense at the end of the road for those who stick with the Lord all the way to the end, brother. I'll pose it as a question. It says men are being deceived, right. deceived and being, being deceived. deceived. Yeah. What about Satan and the devils? <laughs> well, they're the ones that are leading men to well, be deceived and de- being deceived. Are also deceived and being deceived? And then um, deceiving others? Okay, that's an interesting question. Does Satan know that he's wrong? Yes, I think he, I, I know he knows he's wrong. Now, the Bible talks about in Colossians that when Jesus rose again, <laughs> I wish I had, I wonder if I could find it real quick. Uh, Colossians I want to say it's two, maybe, I don't know. But, um, okay, here it is. Praise the Lord. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. If you guys want to turn there, please turn there with me. I'd like you guys to see this since since uh, Patrick uh, <laughs> brought this up. I just had a thought. Maybe it's more like he, he knows the truth, but he's holding it in, in unrighteousness. Um, I think that he, I think he knows he's, he's doomed. I think he, and what we're going to read here is part is pretty much the main reason why I think he knows he's doomed. I think at this point, here's what I, and I, I, all I, all I got is what I have in the scriptures. But what I think is, is Satan knows he's lost and he knows he's, he's doomed and his effort is to hurt God as much as possible. Now he cannot directly hurt God, but he can certainly hurt God in the sense that what God wanted more than anything else we can see is to procure himself a bride is to purchase us to save us forgive us and and bring him to us to himself so what brings him great satan greater joy than to deny god that by by keeping people from from the gift of mercy and forgiveness and grace and the and the presence of god in our lives so that's what i think brother patrick i think he is he is doomed, he knows he's doomed, and he is seeking to deceive and keep people from uh, heaven. Uh, A, because I think he hates God. Uh, you see in Isaiah that uh, he, he wanted to be as, as God, as high as God, that, you know, that he could raise his throne up with God's. You can't go higher than God. You can only go up to, and, and so anyway, that's what he wanted. And since he is denied that, I think he hates God and he hates us. Very specifically, I think he hates us. Um, and so anyway, let, let me go ahead and read this. So in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, In whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, 
who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I love that passage, verse 15 again. And having, this is, this is, now when Jesus arose from the grave, man was able to observe that the tomb is empty. They were, his disciples were able to see with their own eyes and handle with their hands. That's what John said, the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Savior of man, the God in the form of man who gave his life and he came back from, back from death and he is alive. And he told, he told uh, 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 Thomas, Take your finger and, and put it in the prints of my hands and take your hand and thrust it into my side and be not, uh, be not doubting but, believe, but believing. I, I can't remember exactly how it was worded. So he appeared alive to his own people, to his uh, disciples. And, uh, and, but the spiritual world, they, they apparently experienced something that we couldn't see with our senses. And that's what it says here in verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The Lord Jesus' victory over sin, death, and hell, and the devil was a massive, open victory in the spiritual world. It couldn't have been denied. It was, I've always thought of it as a, as a huge nuclear explosion, just absolutely decimating the enemy. And that's what happened in the spiritual world. It was an open, it couldn't be denied. And listen, the, 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 the wonderful truth is, and, and, and this, is, this is, again, I think it's undeniable, I think that Satan and his people, his, his followers, his demons, they did not know what was coming at the cross. I think they thought they were winning. I, th- I think they thought they were taking God's trump card and that God's great effort to show humanity the right way. And they rejected it and rejected him and crucified him. I think that's what he thought he should do. I, I'm not speaking for Satan. All I know is that, that they didn't know this was coming. This victory with Jesus coming out of the grave and having purchased eternal redemption for all of us in this room. And listen, that's something we are meant to absolutely rejoice in over and over and over. You know, glorify God, praise God, shout his name. Jesus has saved me. He has forgiven me and I have the victory because of Christ. Listen, it's a it's a it's a victory cry that we have every right to to shout out. And we should, <laughs> we should. And so anyway, I, I love that passage and uh, having spoiled principalities and powers. That's how Satan is referred to in Ephesians, the principalities, the powers. Uh, and so anyway, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, you said that he wants to be like the most high. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what it says in Isaiah 14, I think. Right. What I think is absolutely precious is that even Satan himself can't say, I will be the most high. Right. I would be like he the most time. Bring himself yeah. It right? <laughs> doesn't appear to. Like right. Yeah. He can't. He doesn't appear to, to be able to say anything higher than that. Okay. So um, letter B and, and your notes is uh, you can identify adversary back in Philippians. Let's go ahead and look at that. Philippians chapter uh, one verse twenty seven. And in and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So you can identify the adversary there in verse 28, um, and nothing terrified by your adversaries. You can identify adversary here by those who advertise themselves as the enemies of Christ. They're not hard to find. And so again, unfortunately, I, I even feel 
I, I hate to be, have to be able to say this like this, but it is true that there are people who have taken the name of Christ and put it over the door of their church, and yet they proclaim themselves to be enemies. Listen, folks, that's a scary, that's a frightening thought. You know, uh, so anyway, in Philippians uh, chapter 3, so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves in Philippians, but it's okay. It'll be a while before we get here. (laughs) Yeah, give me a chuckle, please. (laughs) Uh, So Philippians chapter 3, verse um, 17. And so, uh, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I, I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So if you notice back in verse 18 again, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So I had to think about this over and over and over and over. I talked with Melissa about it. <laughs> and um, listen, I think that uh, the enemies of the cross of Christ that Paul is talking about here is people who say they're Christians. I believe that's who he's talking about. Because if you look into the world, is there any mystery that they're not walking with Christ? Should we expect the world who does not know Christ, to be like Christ? We should not. (laughs) That's ridiculous. So he says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in shame, who mind earthly things. It would be no surprise to see the world minding earthly things. That's all they have. That's all they are. And so what would be a shame, and this is, this is what Paul is, this is what he says, from, uh, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. He's weeping. That I get, I, this is what I think this passage is saying. Uh, I think he's saying that there are people who are taking the name of Christ and they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And listen, that is true in our world. I, don't, I, don't, I can't say I know exactly what Paul was thinking in every access, but this is what God has given us in his word that Paul writes, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And again, it is something to weep about, that there would be people who say they are Christians, and they gather together with other people who say they are Christians, and they... They embrace, glorify all the things of this world. They accept nothing from the, 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 the Holy Spirit is not at work there. They reject all of those things. They proclaim themselves to be Christians. And what they are are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And so uh, if you want to turn with me to Titus chapter 1. I have two minutes. <laughs> 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 thank, thank you, brother. I'll, I'll be wrapping up. <laughs> All right. I really want to finish this section. So Titus chapter 1, verse 15. Titus chapter 1, verse 15. Mm-hmm. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God 
but in works deny, uh, they deny him being abominable and disobedient and into every good work reprobate. Again, it's, it's doubly frightening to have this truth be in reference to people who say they are Christians. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. And reprobate in, in, in itself is a very shocking word. It's, it's just, it, it refers to this, this mind that is not able to even receive good things, truthful things, it, its mind is completely walled off from those things, and it can only receive from negative things, evil things, sinful, carnal things. Its mind is open to those things, but it is completely closed to the truth, to purity, to heaven, to God, to the Holy Spirit. Real quick, brother. Real quickly. <laughs> Rejected by God without hope of salvation. That could be. I, I, I have to. I'd have to think about that good and long. <laughs> a lot of times we, we feel like that people who sin, they're doing it consciously. They know that they're sinning, and don't misunderstand me. I know the Holy Spirit works in hearts, mm-hmm. but there comes a generation where their mind has been so affected right. that their ability to recognize right. the sin that's in their own life, they they can't even recognize it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we see we see that so much in our world. It's it's to me it's very disheartening to see people it, it just given over. You know, you see that in, in Romans chapter one. You know, I've given them up. I've given them up. I've given them over. Uh, and that's towards the end of Romans chapter one, if you'd like to see it. But like he says here, unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in the works they they deny him being abominable and disobedient and to every good work reprobate. And so number two, the last thing I'll share with you today is uh, enemies of Christ, enemies of the cross, God's salvation or God's way of salvation that he provided. They are multiplying in number and in places to find them. Let me just read this again. So uh, enemies of of Christ, they're enemies of the cross and, and God's way of salvation that he provided. They are multiplying in number and in places to find them. And again, it's it's just not unusual at all to have people of that mindset, of that persuasion, to put a cross on the top of a steeple and the name of Christ in their the name of their church and call themselves a church, call themselves the people of God, and at the same time despise and hate people who are actually walking with God that are doing the things the Bible says and not ignoring them. I mean, not, not even just ignoring them, they're guilty of actually proclaiming that to be wrong. So when the Bible says this is wrong, this is evil, this is this is you know abominable, and they embrace it. And God says there's only one way of salvation, and that is to you know to humble yourself, to get forgiveness by God, uh, from God by Jesus Christ, and believing in Him and His resurrection. You know that is the way of salvation. They reject that, so they embrace the wrong thing and they reject what God, what God says, and they are in every good work reprobate. And so that's that is the the evil that is absolutely shocking. Like Paul says that they, I believe he's referring to people who claim to be a Christian, but in every good work reprobate. Uh, that's that's is indeed something that is tragic beyond words. And again, it's just it's not uncommon at all in our world. As a matter of fact, I, I think it would be fair to say you could find wrong churches, churches that are not not built upon the foundation of Christ. Not seeking his glory, that's far more common in, in our world today 
than people gathering together under the name of Christ, seeking him, seeking his glory, praising his name, fellowshipping together. That is far more the less common thing in our world. I don't, I don't know any brethren say it that way. <laughs> All right, we got. Hand in hand with the Lord, Lord, but we did works in your That's name. true. Yeah. Go away. I never, I never knew you. Uh, you know, and he says you're going to take part in the lake, lake of fire, made for the devil and his angels. And yeah, there's going to be many people on that day that you know, Lord, we we expected to be your people. We expected to be welcomed with open arms, and instead they're enemies of the cross of Christ. And so we got to go in close. <laughs> Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And we do pray for your blessing upon your word to our hearts. Uh, Please help us, Lord, to be cling closely to you and not be drawn away from you. Help us to be your people and shine for you in this world. Pray for your blessing in the coming hour for your glory. Please be with uh, Dr. Forrester. Help him to share your word today. Help us all to receive uh, from you all that you have for us. And thank you and ask your blessing in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.